The TEFL Commute, Season 6, Episode 2, Truth or Lie? Let's get started. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm actually I'm surprised by the sunny day that's kind of here. Hence the the joy in my voice. How are you? How's it going uh, today? Yeah, sunny as always. Sunny as always. Welcome, by the way, to our listeners. If you're a first time listener, that you are listening to the TEFL Commute podcast. This is a podcast for language teachers that's not about language teaching, but the topic seems to always come up. And uh, our your hosts are well. I'm Lindsay Clanfield, and and I'm Sean Wilden. And um, if you haven't realised, we rec- we record this in different places. So I'm in Oxford, and Lindsay's in in Spain. Or are we, Lindsay? Oh, yes. This episode is called Truth or Lie. And so we thought we'd be addressing the whole issue because it's very du jour, uh, very apropos for using two French words there. Look at you. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Feeling all all French today uh, to talk about truth and lies um, and and, and and we yes, we could in fact relate this to language teaching, but I thought we could start off uh well you were talking we were talking the other day informally, Sean, about about uh truth, post truth and all that. Yeah, I was and, gonna say there's no such thing as a lie anymore, is it? Because it's all either post truth or fake news, surely. Yeah, well that's uh, what was very interesting is I was at a, a conference last year uh on a panel, and the panel, the person convening the panel, we all kind of had to get up and talk about is commu- the communicative approach. Uh, does it need to be replaced for, you know, a new generation of language teachers replaced or refreshed or dropped or whatever? And uh, people were saying, so wh- how should we start? What should we say? And the convener or the, the moderator said, oh, you can say whatever you want these days. Everything's just, you know, it's all we're in the post-truth age. Just make it up as you go along. Yeah, well, exactly. So, it seems to be that way. Although I guess in a lot of teaching, we do actually make up as we go along. But um, <laughs> As we will see later on in our episode. As we yeah. do. We'll get to that. But I quite, I mean, uh, 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 without wishing to give airtime to uh, various politicians, I do think Think the post-truth world is very interesting for, for language because we've had yeah. I mean, we've had this and any I mean language develops because of I think obviously with a lot that's happening uh, things get repurposed words get made up we've we've talked before about how technologies influence words but in this case um, we, we we see politics seem to be taking a lead in language influence I mean post-truth <laughs> was the word of the year last year um, yeah uh, and they, it is a new I guess it's a new word isn't it post-truth yeah, I, so, I mean yeah. the post-truth as a sort of was that like as a, an adjective phrase you know the post-truth era right it's usually about a time i like the post-truth we're in the post-truth era uh yeah um and then of course you've got things that go along with that so you've got fake news uh which we'll we'll get to in more detail in a moment but i I was quite interested uh i like words i was i was kind of trying to think of words that um that have come into the dictionary because of the current political time i mean the obvious the other obvious one which i think was a contender for word of the year was alt-right which uh which i think is, yeah. is a euphemism more than anything else and, and um i think i go along with the 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 people that say we should should use we should say what alt-right really is but anyway there are other things um, that have entered the dictionary um ones you probably heard of obviously uh, from a campaign trial you we have drain the swamp which yeah. which um, has taken on this kind of um, 
um, more figurative meaning now to get rid of all the the the, the moneyed politicians and stuff, wasn't it? The self interest. So is this is this are these coming into the dictionary? Yeah, they're, all in, they're all into the they're all contenders for the uh, Oxford dictionary. I took it from the Oxford Word site. Um, okay, I'll give you some more. Um, a couple more. Uh, clicktivism, which I find quite interesting. You know, clicktivism. clicktivism so. So wait a second. Let me okay. Drain the swamp. I'm I'm familiar with, uh, as I am with alt right. Uh, clicktivism is that is that uh, like activism by clicks? So by liking things on Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah, and, uh, so, and, so, and essentially that and trolling. You know, you 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 do your political uh, bit by being online and not doing more than that. Uh, so it's almost um, it's a negative implication of of. Uh, so clicktivism can be for either side of the political yeah, spectrum. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so clicktivism. Uh, one which I, I, I always kind of, I, I've always liked the word sheeple, which entered the word, uh, you know, people that follow other people are sheeple. Uh, sheeple. Yeah. yeah. But, but okay. and one of this we've got in terms of a political thinking now that's entered the dictionary is herd mentality, which I quite like. Oh, the herd mentality. Would this also fit with probably another one that I was hearing a lot in the last two years, uh, the filter bubble? Uh, well, the filter bubble is more, uh, yeah, I guess the, the echo chamber filter bubble. Uh, I was, being a techno person, I was thinking of filter bubble immediately what Google does to you when you search. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, and a couple more to throw in, which I, which are, are contenders are to otherize. And that, to otherize, uh, to otherize. Okay, yeah, so otherizing, yes. Uh, okay. so, so treating people as a uh, putting people into into categories that otherizing them for your own uh, for your own political gains and haterade. <laughs> haterade. Now I've never heard this one. Uh, what is haterade? So to, to, to have a haterade is just basically to be uh, to go on a, a rant, a hate filled rant is a, is a haterade. Um, okay. It's excessive negativity, criticism, or resentment, and you'll find it already in the uh, in the urban dictionary, which uh, which where a lot of these. Is haterade? Words. Is it is it haterade a bit like written like gatorade? Yes, yeah, or yeah, is yeah, it no, like no. Hate it's, tirade. It's hate and r a d e together. Oh, haterade. Yeah. Okay. So, huh. so example, the example from dictionary, uh, OxfordDictionaries.com is uh, drink the haterade. <laughs> if you drink the haterade, wow. you will find yourself poisoned with gossip. Or another use was have photograph received some haterade, uh, which was obviously excessive negative, uh, um, excessive negativity. So I think it's quite interesting. I mean, I don't want to, I don't think we should spend any more time talking about the, the politics of our time because this is a, supposed to be a joyous podcast on the way to work rather than a political thing. But I do, I, <laughs> yes. I do think, I do think it's interesting how those uh, words, uh, how language has been influenced by what's going on around us. Uh, with it. Yeah. And certainly with the whole, the whole fake news thing. I mean, that has also, I, I would imagine that many language teachers are becoming more attuned to that and indeed probably preparing lessons or at least it coming up in class the whole area of fake you'd like news to think so i mean reading i so think on. it fits in nicely i mean we've, we've, we we when we talk about ways we, i mean i think both you and i agree that this this phrase 21st century skills is a little bit trite these days given it's 2017 yeah. but this all this underpins the idea of, uh, of critical thinking and stuff and that, i think that's where fake news fits in very nicely with that uh, uh, in that essence that, that i think we actually it does aid us teaching critical thinking with our with our students but um uh, shall we um shall we bring in james because i think james actually probably knows more about fake news than, than both of us. Uh, uh, I think so. I think so, because he has written something yes. about it on his blog. Yes, yeah. Well, let's hear what James has brought to the podcast today. Uh, those of you who don't know who we're talking about, James is the man behind the scenes and occasionally makes an appearance on a mic. So, hi, James. Hello, chaps. Yes, James is the third wheel on our bicycle. 
Oh, is that why we never go in a straight direction? Now no, I he's the one. He's the one in front. Oh, he's the okay. one in front of our tricycle. Uh, he's, he's the, he's he's the front he, wheel. I'll take that as a compliment. Oh, oh, <laughs> I mean, indeed, he's the front wheel of the trice, and we news. are the two ones. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the the matter at hand. Welcome, James. Welcome, and uh, yeah, thank you very much. You had something to share with us about fake news. Well, yeah, I did a, uh, on my, my, my website, uh, I did a, a lesson plan about fake news. And it's, it's, I've also done a, a, I have a talk that I'm, I'm doing, a presentation oh, about okay. uh, how I think fake news uh, gives English teachers an opportunity to do something uh, very interesting with our students. So, yeah, it's something that I, I find fascinating. And I think it gives us a really uh, good opportunity to do some worthwhile interesting things in the classroom interesting Sounds interesting good. things such as well as you mentioned i think that it's uh I, I, just like you i'm you know the bit 21st century skilled out okay um, in that I, I you know i don't really see the point of a lot of that but um i think this is actually a genuinely useful skill for this time yeah absolutely um, I think. which yeah. is the ability to critically analyze texts and to be able to step back from the information that we receive and think about, uh, okay, where is, this, where is this information coming from? What perspective, what biases does it have? And, you know, being more sophisticated readers. And I think, well, you know, I, I'm thinking that as a skill, if, that, if that's going to happen in our education system, where does it really belong? You know, mm -hmm. and I thought, well, you know, I, I, it belongs in the English classroom. I think, as much I as think you're right. Else. I mean, in, in the in many years ago, I guess before the rise of internet, I mean, the old the old CPE exam, the, the proficiency exam of the early nineties, you had to actually be able to tell bias in text, and then it kind of disappeared. So, mm -hmm. in a sense, we're coming back round to it, uh, and I think it is an important skill for for language teachers to be able to instill with their students. I certainly, since most of the texts they probably access in the real world these days are online. And, and I think if there's one good thing that's come out of the fake news, it's this idea of it does heighten people's attention to bias again, which perhaps went away. In the old days, I mean, I used to joke, in the old days, you could always tell that in the UK because of the size of the newspaper. But uh, online, yes. you, could, <laughs> you, could never, you could never do that. So it, it's quite good. Sorry, I've got, yeah. got on my uh, political storm, uh, uh, platform, haven't I? Uh, back to you, James. No, so I think there's lots of interesting uh, elements to it. I, I mean, I think one of the one of the things I would say about it is that as the teacher, our role is not to be political at all, really, when we when we discuss this. So we think of it uh, as teaching a skill, not as teaching an opinion or, or uh, a particular point of view. So when I've taught when I've taught this thing, I don't go in, you know, like telling my students, like, okay, now is the, today's the lesson where you all learn to think like me, you know, obviously I'm exaggerating, but just about teaching skills. The reason I'm laughing is because in, in the UK at the moment, there's a program on, uh, uh, that we did, there's a, this fly on the wall documentary do every year, which is inside a state school. Uh, and it's, uh, and this year it's in Manchester. And in the first episode, which is a brilliant episode, you should watch for all manner of reasons. But in the first episode, the teacher was caught on camera saying, so was compared saying how Trump was like Hitler and like the internet went crazy about how dare the teacher say those kind of things and this that and the other so uh, it just it just made me what you said just remain, yeah. reminded me of that <laughs> and he's brought us off on another segue I know I'm, I'm good get, at that aren't I? let's get back to the first wheel on our bicycle that's where we go round and round and round <laughs> yes exactly so James you were going to bring us uh some was it some examples or or some questions or 
Well, I know how much you like a quiz, especially Sean. He loves he a does. quiz. He Sean does. loves so, his quizzes, um, and so, so do I. One of the one of the things, one of the good things about this whole fake news era is the huge amount of resources there are online for us Indeed. to use yeah. as teachers. Uh -huh. There's tons of stuff for us to uh, to go and uh, and adapt. And uh, uh, shameless self promotion. If you go to my my blog about this on, on my website, there is uh, I put a link, uh, put a list of loads of links for things as well as my lesson plan. We we let him on for two minutes and he turns into a self promotion part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will be including <laughs> listeners. We will be including links to all of these in the show notes, and it is a worthwhile thing to read. Aww. Thank you. Uh, a moment, a rare moment of sincerity. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Ah, but was he being sincere? <laughs> Let's get. Let's let's Nothing, let's get yeah. it. Let us get us onto this quiz, so that uh, yeah, so Sean can I know demonstrate how much you love his... a quiz. Yeah. So so uh, let's okay. Let's get on with it. So uh, cue the music. Dooby dooby doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby dooby doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby-Doo, I see you Pretending you got a sliver You're not fooling me, cause I can see The way you shake and shiver So for this quiz... I thought uh, I thought I would for for a, for a change. I thought I would put you two together to be a team instead of you competing. Ooh, oh, I got okay. it. A collaborative. It's a collaborative uh, yeah, venture. So it's, it's you two. You two against me. Okay. okay. But he's I've got, got the answers. Um, five. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the thing is, if you get it right, you you win, and if I if you if you get it uh, if you get if you get it wrong, then it's. <laughs> okay. So uh, I've got five stories uh, here, and uh, your job is to tell me if this is a real news story, okay. or if it's from, or if it's from an episode of Scooby Doo. If it's from an episode of Scooby Doo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Can we Google? Is this Fair a real enough. story? We're not allowed to Scoob ask. We're not allowed to ask questions like the sources because it's either real or it's Scooby Doo. Right. Those are our two no, sources. You've just got to listen, listen to the story and decide together. Do you think this is? Real, real news or Scooby Doo? Okay. 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 All right. So, number one. Number one. A man was apprehended for pretending to be a 150-year-old miner, scaring people out of a town in the American West. He wanted to drive down property values to buy the entire town as a place to store his oil, which he had been storing in the mine. Okay, think, uh, Sean, we get to we get to confab. I think that's Scooby Doo, and I think I've seen oh, that episode, seen episode too. Oh, so, Sean, are we gonna are we gonna be unified on oh, this? Well, for once, say... let's be unified. Okay, Scooby Doo, and that is correct. Oh. That is a Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> the second story: Police were baffled by the case of the silent grandma. In what may have been the perfect crime, an elderly woman who sat entirely still for an entire afternoon got up while a cash box was unattended and walked away with it, undetected by security. That's brilliant. That's got to be a real news story. That's brilliant. And that's true. That's got to be true. I think that's going to happen. That, that would... Where's the cash box, I wonder? Did you do this in a yeah, shop? Yeah, but, but Scooby Doo things aren't that aren't uh, never like that, are they? They're, they're no, all... no, that's it's too it's a, a little it's it's quirky and a bit mundane for Scooby Doo. Yeah. You can't imagine them running around after this very still lady. No, I'm gonna say let's say real. real. Yeah, and it's 
Two nil for you. Oh, yes, that's right. It's a real all right. story. All right. <laughs> I wonder if our listeners are saying this is a really easy quiz. Well, okay, next one. Let's see. All right. At a snowboard contest in the mountains, competitors and visitors alike were frightened when some of the snowboarders went missing. Olympic medalist Chris Klug was noted for helping in the investigation. Oh, it's got to be real. Have you ever seen the snowboard episode in, in Scooby-Doo? No, I haven't. No, that's true. I've never seen a snowboard. Yeah. And Chris Kluke, I, I'm not going to Google. I'm not. I'm deliberately no, not no, typing no. and Come Googling on, anything here. All right. So real. Okay. So real. let's say it's real. Let's real. And that is a Scooby-Doo episode. No. no Did they bring Scooby-Doo back then? Because uh, Scooby-Doo, I mean, like... Well, this is like, this is what, this is the, the Scooby-Doo reboot. I then. guess, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'll have to Google that as soon as he finished. Uh, don't uh, worry. Sorry, sorry, sorry Lindsay, I let you down the garden path right, there, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, I have... I can't remember his snowboards in Scooby-Doo. I have sources. It must be the reboot, because in the 70s, there were no uh, sources. Yeah, I, hope it wasn't, I hope Scrappy-Doo wasn't in the episode as well. So ruined it for me. Don't bring up Scrappy-Doo. Don't bring him up. Because that's the whole other kind of okay. 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 Next story. You ready? All right. So it's two one. Two one. Spite motivated a woman to pretend to be a ghost to haunt the occupant and manager of an ancient castle in Europe. The ghost, who worked as an employee at the castle's cultural center, was apprehended for causing mysterious sounds and damaging the property. I want Scooby Doo for know, sure. It's real. And it's it real. Works too. It's real. It's real. Oh wait a second, we're just yeah. I think it, I think that one. I think it's James playing with us. I think that one sounds so Scooby Doo. It's got to be real. Oh right, this is one of those ones where like a Scooby Doo story that's so amazing. It's got to. And yeah, it's I, true. I, I, I don't mind though, Lindsay. I... No, no, I'm gonna go with you. Oh no, I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with you, and we're gonna say it's real because this might be the trick question. It's real, James. Okay, it's real, and the answer is. It is a real story, yes. <laughs> oh, Sean, you did it. Oh, excellent. John sprung the trap there. Okay. Uh, okay, so all right. 3-1, I think. Yeah, 3-1 to you. Right. Okay, and last one. An unusual disguise allowed a man to successfully rob a bank. He duct tape branches to himself and disguised as a walking tree left the bank with an undisclosed amount of cash. This is real. Doesn't that have to be no. Scooby-Doo? Come on. Wait, disguise himself as a tree and rob the yeah, bank. Yeah, it's real. All right, no. well, you go with what no. you want. We already have three yeah, points, Yeah, we've right? so it doesn't matter. Okay. So I'm going to, like, it's like, I'm going to, I might be committing a, I'm going to say that's a Scooby-Doo thing, because that doesn't really, wait, have you heard this story? I don't know, you? for some reason it kind of rings, uh, it, it's, uh, it rings, but it might be from, I've covered Scooby-Doo. I'm going to say Scooby-Doo. I'm going to. Ju- I'm going for it. Scooby-Doo. And you're wrong. It's a real story. <laughs> no, Sean. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, anyway, you won. You won. Cranfield with the foul in I, 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 oh. Just for self satisfaction, I just googled it. It's the 10th of July, 2007. Man robs bank, disguised as tree. There you go. See, uh, so How on um, earth? yeah, well, well done. I, I think what we've learned from this is uh, Sean's uh, critical faculties are well, uh, are well advanced there. That Lindsay or just Lindsay... a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the one of the, one of the two. But Lin- Lindsay needs to needs to work on his uh, on his detection of. Uh, 
Or, or, or what's, or what's left Scooby Doo? Yeah, yeah. Of tropes in Saturday morning cartoons. Right, thanks, James. Thank that was interesting. I should just say before we continue that that those uh, that that is a quiz I took from Mental Floss, and we'll uh, put the the link in the, uh, oh, in the show okay. notes. Brilliant. So, uh, I can I can be quite as long as your students know who Scooby Doo is, then that that works quite well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, there you go. And and there's Excellent. there's a list of uh, all the episodes and uh, of all the of the sources for the stories and everything as well. So you can actually adapt it really well for for class. So there you go. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks, Thanks James. Thank Congratulations you. on your victory. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Shall we take a quick break and then come back and look at how truthful lies might influence language teaching? Producer James here with a quick message to say thank you for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to show your support for the show, then you can help us in just a minute and it won't cost you a thing. Think of a friend or colleague you know, someone who you think would enjoy listening to the program and send them an email or a message to let them know about us. With your help, we can reach even more teachers. Okay, on with the show. Okay, everybody, we're back again now in our episode on truth or lie. Um, thought we would take a turn now from the world of post-truth and fake news and everything. And, 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 and actually, the topic is about to come up, the topic of language teaching. And Sean, I, I was thinking when we were preparing this episode of the truth and lies that we tell as language teachers about grammar because um, this is an area that has been discussed and like ripe for debate discussed argued debated and so on and that's the kind of the grammar yeah. rules the whole idea of truth and grammar yeah. rules right so i mean there, there's a couple of things one is is uh that i was thinking about is there it's there's the classic prescriptive grammar rules which are not necessarily true and they're not borne out by by usage. So for example, you never end a sentence with a preposition, never split an yeah. infinitive, never begin a sentence with but and so on. Those are prescriptive rules that were that says how we're supposed to use the language, but people are they're not necessarily true because no. of usage. But I'm more thinking of the rules which in usage aren't necessarily true, but they become convenient lies that we tell students for various pedagogical yeah, reasons. Yeah, and to, to cover up the fact that we're lying, we call them pedagogical grammar rules, yeah? <laughs> yes, they are either called pedagogical grammar rules or rules yeah. of thumb. Um, and for the critics, they're called, like, flat-out lies. Although they're not, they, there's always a grain of truth. I, I, mean, I, right? I guess like, it so depends how deep you want to get, because it's the idea of rules and whether, rule, whether the word rules itself is actually true, you know, whether, whether we yeah. want to talk about... And to be fair, I think the way the rules are sometimes written are hedged to cover the fact that it yeah, might not absolutely. be always true. But I'm going to give you I'm going to give you one, and then I want you to try to brainstorm one. We'll see if we can brainstorm okay. a few, and our listeners can be trying to think as well ahead of us of what grammar rules do we teach that aren't entirely true, and they could this could be for good reasons. So it could be like lying for a good reason. Uh, and sometimes maybe not for a good reason. So I'm going to start with the classic one that, that most teachers trip up on um, after you've been teaching a little while, and that's the rule for some or any. So the rule, um, the quote-unquote lie rule, the untrue rule, is that we use some only in, what is it, uh, affirmative sentences, and any only in negatives and questions, right? So you, you don't you say, I don't have any, or do you have yeah. any? Yeah, 
right? Oh yeah, He's no, no this well, one, this so one amuses me because I, I, I mentioned this before in a, in a previous episode, but I, I taught it, I taught the same class at uh, elementary, and then pre intermediate level, where of course the rule changes, and they caught, they, they were like, "Hang on, last year didn't you say that?" <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. But this is one of those classic ones where it does become if you start at a very low level teaching. Actually, you can use summon questions when the expectation is that there, is poly- uh, yeah, there yeah, is yeah. some already. You just it just becomes an yeah. appalling mess, a hot mess. I think uh, would be another word to call that. So summon any. Well, you I think the other one, thing one is okay. Class, in them? English, there are three conditionals. <laughs> okay yes this has been punctured by various writers hasn't it i mean swan has taken a big shot at this and i've heard thornbury other other grammar writers saying there are not three conditionals give us some examples oh no you're going to test my grammar well so (laughs) oh no i won't test your grammar but but let's i mean sorry we got the first the second the third the second the third the uh yeah and then then you've and got then the all the other kind truths, of mixed, mixed, mixed. About. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you've got the like, if I would have known, I would have yeah. told you. Which is, is that wrong? Is that right? Is that a new uh, so on. Okay, so con- there are three conditionals. Uh, Lie. Okay, here's another one which is interesting and which actually we still do always teach, and you don't always get caught up on. And and then it is the idea is that there is is only followed by singular things, and there are followed by plural. But increasingly, and I'd have to look up examples, you're getting an example of there, there is, um, contracted as theirs. Plus is that because it's spoken, because it's spoken English? So for well. example, there's hundreds of people, yeah. there's hundreds of people outside. Don't go outside, John. There's hundreds of people there. So imagine, or like, you know, there's tons of garbage on the floor, yeah, yeah, yeah. for example. There's tons of papers everywhere. Sounds actually kind of okay, but that is... That's breaking the rule. So does that mean that our rule is untrue or is there usage changing? Or are people hmm. just becoming lazy? <laughs> or is there are is the word there is there are becoming there are, combined into one word like the French so il y a or the Spanish I to, to denote existence and that yeah. word is there. What about uh just moving on? Uh, Could be. the uh, the one caused primarily by a fast food chain i think and it's become an example in most uh most classrooms since i'm I'm loving it oh yeah of course the rule the untrue rule that we teach is that stative verbs never can be put into a progressive or 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 continuous form or in other words you can't put an ing on words like love feel understand it's it's interesting because you actually hear i don't know if it's because of the fast food chain or but you hear this loving all the time now it's it's uh it's just, it's, oh yeah, no. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you're hearing it for other things. You can also, you're also hearing things. I mean, this Absolutely. now sounds entirely correct to me. If I say, Sean, let me see if I'm yes. understanding this correctly. So I, I should say the rule says, let me see if I understand this correctly. But that kind of, you kind of are, we're making that more progressive. I'm understanding this, or I'm loving that oh, little black dress. I didn't of think yours, you noticed, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so that's another one. That's a rule that is slowly becoming more and more untrue. Any other ones? I think uh, well, we I mean, an obvious more. one again. I think it, these. They, I mean, a lot of this happens at low level. This generalization that we've. Uh, well, for example, are you friendlier or more friendly? Because two syllables, two syllable adjectives, oh, you're supposed okay. to uh, um, have different rules with uh, comparative adjectives. Is it he's a friendlier person or is he more friendly? Which is correct? Yeah. 
But uh, isn't it y. with words with uh, ends with Y always are I E R? Because same thing with happy then. So I think the rule is oh, really? I don't know if that is an untrue rule or if it's covered. If it's covered because it's a Y ending. But I'm gonna but I know, I'm I'm gonna go back. Have to find I'm the examples go back of two syllables came into the top of my head. Ooh. Ooh, oh, oh, yeah. We just had a, 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 a hiccup here on our grammar section. <laughs> oh, we didn't I did, research I did, it enough. I'm not sure. <laughs> now, I would, I'm just, uh, okay. Just give me a moment to think. If a two, if a two syllable adjective, <laughs> is that, no, is that you from Googling? If there, if a two syllable adjectives ends yeah. in a consonant plus the Y, we drop the Y and add AER. That's the rule. So we should say friendlier, right. and we say That's more friendly. So it's true. Yeah. Ah, all right. So, yeah. Okay. But you, we do say more happy. But you could say ah, I'm right. a lot. Hmm. Can, can, well, can we'll somebody let, help we'll us with our English? Gosh, how, how many years have you been teaching? <laughs> let's move on. Let, I'm let's gonna, I'm going to bring us back to another rule, which is, which is another rule which I've seen people get their knickers in a twist on, which is must is for obligation from within yourself and have to. I, that's, I, that's, always, that's always gone. I've always gone, what? And I, and I sit there going, no, do I have yeah, to do it? Or no, must that's I always do it? been a rule where I've just. <laughs> nah. Yeah. I think again, there's a, as you, as with lots of these rules, there's a grain of truth in them. But sometimes, if you, if it's if that rule is explained a bit awkwardly, it just does sound like BS. Yeah, but, but, so, but I'm always thinking. I mean, like, we'll anyway, make this rule, but so, do people really take that thought when they're saying it. You know, when you're construct using that construction, do people go, "Oh, is it, do, no. do we not? Is it? I mean, if we've acquired the language rather than learnt the language, do we naturally default to must instead of have to? I don't think so. But anyway, no, uh, I think, one more. No. Um, I think that maybe oh, but we've I've got one more. done quite a bit of grammar. We, maybe let, let, let's do one more because it's, okay, it's, it's an obvious one. Let's finish one more, and it's like must and have to. It causes a real issue when you teach it. What about will and going to? <laughs> ah! Someone cue like like a lightning sound or a scream. Ah, oh, that is the worst. It's the worst to teach, and it's even worse to write. As a materials writer, I will hate to. writing. Coming to a part where I have to write something. I hate writing the will versus going uh, to look at those black clouds, if, Lindsay. If, if at all possible. <laughs> yes, of course. The rule we're talking about is that will is for. There are a couple. One is that will is for predictions and going to is for intentions, um, which becomes problematic when someone says, "Isn't my intention a bit like a prediction?" Secondly, is the rule is that um, will is for predictions and going to is for predictions, but only when there is evidence of the prediction that is going that. That is there. So the classic example is look black clouds, it's going to rain. Or be careful, you are going to trip on that, you know, piece of wood sticking out of the floor or whatever. Um, but these the more you look at these rules, the more they start unraveling. I mean, so if often, will and go to is the start of a whole future minefield though, isn't it? I mean this is a say that Yeah. Yes, with with one of the the one of the quote unquote lies yeah, being exactly. you will is the future the, tense. I said to the group of students I was working with the students, how do you make the future in English? They went will. And we're like, nah, not really. Um, anyway, we've turned our podcast into very yeah. much talking about English language, aren't we? I think we need a break. Yeah, I think we need the angels. People who like to plan for destiny like to trust the education system. 
right, we're on to the third part of our podcast here on truth or lie in uh, at the TEFL commute. Um, and sticking to language teaching, we we spoke about we were talking about grammar, which is of course a part of language teaching. But um, I was also thinking, Sean, um, how much truth and lies actually become a part, or how or how much they are in our methodology as well. So I'm thinking of classic activities. So like, like let's start with um, classic comprehension. One of the most classic comprehension questions for reading or listening comprehension is true or false. So detect the false sentences and the true sentences. So that whole true false is, is a big part of our daily lives, right? So like making sure someone's understanding. What, so you end up writing, if you're writing those, if you're making a test or writing material, you have to write untrue sentences about a text that they have to then Detect, yeah, 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 and then there's there's the, the second part of that, which is the true false uh, doesn't say or true false not given. Have you you familiar? Yeah, with those yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Exercises God, how many times have we written them, Lindsay? We're, we're criticizing things oh, yeah. we probably created ourselves. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, well no, I, I can't. Again, I hate writing those. I hate teaching them. I hate explaining to students because every once in a while, the sort of the difference you have to be really has to be really careful about what the difference is between false and it doesn't say. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that, 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 that's, that's quite horrible. Or uh, two of these, three of the, uh, two of these sentences are, all, both of these sentences are true. One is more true than the other, or both these sentences are correct, but which, which one is most the most correct? correct? I know we, we turn people into serial liars by making them create exercises where they have to say one true thing or two true things and one lie, those kind of. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's another classic example of how like truth and lies. And I was, I was thinking about it does does the fact does lying create more engagement because a lot of the kind of activities that we do is sort of like you know as a teacher trainer will say if you want to make something interesting for the students you're going to tell them a story about yourself but to make to give them a reason to listen you you say one of the things i said in my story isn't true so you have to listen out mm. and and, and guess what the lie is, and that—that that is the idea to create engagement. Yeah, but it's a, it also is. A, I mean, it is creating engagement, and it also is quite a handy way of getting into some kind of less controlled practice. You know, if you've just done present perfect, right? Three statements: one is true, one is false. You know, so and then the, I think it's, I think there's a reason for it, but it's interesting how much we do we do use this concept of not true within within language teaching. I remember I remember yeah. with truth or lie. I remember the first time I'm very in my very early days of. of being a teacher about being warned about about because it's such a useful activity but it was like oh you know some cultures won't like it. you know if you're teaching some cultures you're, you're encouraging them to lie and that really made me think because i use the activity um from i use the activity quite a lot um but as yet i've never actually come across a, a nation that don't like me don't like me using it but uh, yeah nation or or culture or anything i haven't i haven't had yeah. that problem either although i can see why somebody might think that but i haven't i haven't run into that problem of course there's another one of the classic elt activities about lying and that's the game of alibi uh if you're not sure maybe uh, listeners will know it by another name maybe it has other names and the classic activity is you send two students out of the class and they have to cock up a concoct a story <laughs> uh, to explain what they were doing last night when a crime occurred and then you invite one of the students back in and all the other students ask some questions like so what were you wearing where did you go with your friend what did you eat what did you do next what time was it and so on and then you call in the second person ask the same questions and try to catch them out in an inconsistency or a lie a bit like a senate hearing into collusion or something like that <laughs> so, so, just to circle us back right, so, to so we we began. right back to the beginning again are we yeah, yeah fair enough so um so basically truth or lie has a lot of bearing on the uh, english language teaching profession is that what we're saying 
Is that, is that our conclusion to this? Um, I think this, that to, is our conclusion. To this, to this, uh, episode? Believe me, I think it is. Believe me. Okay, I will never believe you because you like fake news. <laughs> How's that? No, right. Shall we? Uh, shall we let them go? I think we'll let them go. I think people's commutes are coming to yeah. an end. Okay, lovely speaking to you, All Lindsay. Right. Spot the lie there. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> see you next time. See you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. As your commute is coming to an end, here's an idea you can take into your class. In the episode, we talked about how lying is used in classroom activities. So in that vein, here's an activity to encourage one of the students to lie. The activity can be used as a warmer and as a way to give some students picture description practice. At the beginning of the activity, choose four students and ask them to go to the front of the class. Now put the rest of the students into four groups. The groups will listen to the four people in turn describing a photo. However, one of the four will not be describing a real photo and the class has to find out which. Take the four chosen students outside the classroom. This is so that the rest don't hear the activity set up. Ask three of them to take out their mobile phones and find a photo on the phone that they're happy to talk about. Tell the fourth person to imagine a photo. This student must stick with the same imaginary photo for the whole exercise. Tell them they're going to describe their photo to each group in turn for a minimum of 30 seconds. The group will also have the chance to ask yes-no follow-up questions. Give the students a few seconds to prepare themselves and then make sure they put their phones away. Send one student to each group and get them to describe their image. Allow a further 30 seconds for follow-up yes-no questions. The students rotate around the groups until each group has heard every student. They must then decide which student is not describing a real photo. Take a vote before the students reveal which one of them had photos and which didn't. You can find the instructions for this and our other end of pod activities at our website, www.tafflecommute.com. You've been listening to The Tafel Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Canfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at www.tafflecommute.com.